So, on this journey together, we realize that we get to be community. And what does it mean to be community? It means to care for one another. It means to look around the room and to look at your neighbors and to say, I may not even know you, but I care about you. One of the things that we're constantly aware of here in Baylor Chapel is that there's a lot of hurt in the room. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but if you look in the room right now, there are people who've lost parents in just the past few weeks. There's people here who've lost other loved ones. There's people here who have struggles with their classes. Some of you would say to me, you know what, Ryan? I, I really am having a hard time at Baylor so far. I'm having a hard time getting my studies done, and it's just making me confused, and I'm, I'm, it's just tough. There's more things in the room right now than we can possibly fathom or imagine. And so every now and then in chapel, we like to kind of bring that stuff up and say, hey, let's talk about it. We think this is an important thing to discuss. And so what we're going to do uh, this morning is we're going to bring Dr. Jim Marsh out. Dr. Jim Marsh is the director of the Counseling Center here at Baylor University. And every fall, we ask Dr. Marsh to come and share with us. He is not only... Uh, an unbelievably gifted practitioner in the area of counseling. He's also the director of that center and is over all things counseling here at Baylor. Um, he is also a friend of ours and someone we work with very closely. Um, Dr. Marsh is going to come and we're going to talk a little bit about suicide prevention because we feel like it's everyone's responsibility to care about one another. And so will you welcome with me this morning to Baylor Chapel, Dr. Jim Marsh. Well, thank you, Ryan. Um, as Ryan said, uh, I, my name is Jim Marsh, and I'm the director of the Counseling Center here. And we're located on the second floor of the Student Life Center. Uh, and some of you may be familiar with the Counseling Center, and some of you may not. Uh, but we are the, the agency that provides all the counseling and psychological services uh, for students on the campus. So we help students with things like depression, anxiety, stress management, and relationship problems, just to name a few. Before I get started today talking about suicide prevention, there are a few uh, groups that I want to recognize. One of those is a group called Active Minds, and Active Minds is a student organization affiliated with the Counseling Center, and they help raise awareness of mental health issues on campus. And so they're going to have a table out back in the, in the, there in the lobby if you're interested in joining that organization or learning more about how you can help. I also want to mention Dr. Don Arterburn. Dr. Arterburn is new to our staff. Uh, he's an addictive behavior specialist, and he helps students with drug and alcohol issues, among other addictive problems. We've started some AA groups and some addiction recovery groups. He's going to be there as well in case you want to talk to him. This is a picture of our staff from the Counseling Center, and they all say hello. Um, one of the reasons that we, um, I show you this picture, um, and some of the staff is going to be in the lobby as well today, is that we're talking about suicide today. And I realize that suicide is a very serious topic. It's a very heavy topic. Uh, and I've given this presentation a number of times. I've, I've trained groups as small as three to five, as many as 100, or groups of 1,000, like here in chapel. And one of the things I've found is no matter what the size of the group is, um, that 40 to 50% of the time, there is someone in the room who has been significantly impacted by suicide. Uh, they've lost a family member to suicide. They've lost a close friend to suicide. So I can imagine that in a room this size, this many people, 
um, I would imagine that there's at least one or probably several who have been impacted personally uh, by suicide. So we have some counseling center staff that are available in the lobby. Uh, we also have some spiritual life staff that will be around today as well. So a few things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about some statistics on suicide, some of the myths, uh, go over some of the warning signs, uh, someone who might be thinking about suicide. I want to talk about depression. depression. Untreated depression is the most common cause of suicide. And then I want to talk about three steps, three basic things that you can do to help a friend who might be thinking about suicide. Let's first talk about the uh, scope of suicide in the U.S. More people die from suicide than homicide in the U.S. And during this time that we have these three chapel sessions uh, this morning, uh, approximately 10 people in the U.S. will die from suicide. Now, to give you an impact, uh, give you an idea of the, uh, the impact of suicide in the U.S., imagine an airline passenger plane full of passengers crashing every other day and there being no survivors. That's the impact of suicide in the U.S. alone. The most recent Center for Disease Control Statistics in 2011 said that there were over 34,000 documented suicides in the U.S. Now, they're very specific to use that word documented. And the reason is, is that 34,000 is probably an undercount. Uh, there's lots of times that we don't know what someone's intent was. You know, a drug overdose, we don't know if that was you know, intent to kill themselves or that was an accident. A single person, you know, uh, auto accident that might be another example. So if it's that hard to determine someone's intent uh, around suicide, imagine how difficult it is to determine the number of attempts in the U.S. each year. So they estimate that there are probably 25 times the number of attempts per completed suicides, which is about 850,000 attempts each year. As we get started, I'd like for you to do something with me, if you would, just a, a really a group exercise. <clears throat> what I'd like for you to do if you have ever known someone who has seriously considered suicide, attempted suicide, or committed suicide, I'd like for you just to raise your hand. I'd like for everybody just to look, look at this. It's almost the entire room. I'd like for you to keep your hand raised if you've known someone who has attempted or completed an act of suicide. Thank you. The reason I do that is I, I think you can just see around the room that suicide affects practically everyone here but it's not something we talk about very much. <clears throat> we just don't talk about it with one another, and I think that's what keeps us from helping uh, each other. What about suicide and college students? Uh, they've been collecting data uh, for many years now. Uh, in the last year, uh, the data from the American College Health Association said that 6% of college students said they had seriously considered suicide in the past 12 months. About one and a half said they'd attempted suicide in the past 12 months. 40% College students say that they know someone who has attempted suicide, and 28% say that they know someone who has completed um, an act of suicide. And suicide is also the second leading cause of death for college students. The number one cause of death for college students is, uh, is auto accidents, uh, and those auto accidents typically involve alcohol or sleep deprivation. I do want to say one thing about these numbers, and that is I think we're making progress. For several years, the percent of students who had seriously considered suicide was about 10 to 11 percent. And so in the last year, um, that number has come down to 6 percent. So I'm hopeful that programs like this are starting to make a difference. What about here at Baylor University? Uh, we participated um, 
in a research study in 2006 uh, on, on, on suicide for, here with uh, Baylor students. We participated in that same study in 2011. And here's what we found, is that 17.5% of Baylor students said that they had seriously considered suicide at some point in their life. About 4% said that they had seriously considered suicide in the past 12 months, and 2% uh, said that they had, a, they had attempted suicide in the past 12 months. I've been here a little over 12 years, and we had two suicides in 2006, two in 2009, uh, two in 2010, and one so far in 2011. Before 2006, the last time we had a suicide on campus was in 1999. You know, I would like to get back to a stretch of seven, eight years, however many it might be, where we have no suicides among the Baylor student body population. One thing I want to point out is that historically here and historically across the country, students who commit suicide are not receiving any type of help. And that's why we need your help today. That's why we're talking to you, because you can be that first person they might talk to. Let's talk about some of the myths about suicide. The first myth is that if I confront a person about suicide, um, I'm only going to make them angry, and I'm going to increase the risk of suicide. And a lot of people typically believe this. The fact is that by asking directly about suicide, lowers anxiety, opens up communication, and decreases the likelihood that they'll do something impulsive. Another myth is that no one can stop a suicide. It's inevitable. Well, the fact is, if someone is in a crisis can get the help that they need, they will probably never be suicidal again. Now, I want to make a, a few comments here. The first is that there's a small percentage of people um, who may be repeatedly suicidal in their life. It could be from a, a variety of factors, uh, maybe chronic mental illness or something like that, but they may be suicidal again. But for the most part, if someone can get the help they need, they'll never be suicidal again. I like to think of it as a window. And there's this, this window of time, if you will. And what happens is, you know, say for a student, um, they have a series of problems. Uh, it might be finances, an acute crisis, major relationship breakup. And what happens is they can't make those problems go away. And they want that pain to go away. And they can't figure out a way to solve those problems. What happens is suicide comes in as the only solution. So during that, those few days or during that two-week period, they become a, a danger of doing something impulsive. We know if we can get them to the other side of that window, they'll probably never be suicidal again. Um, once a person decides to complete suicide, there's nothing you can do to stop them. The fact is it is the most preventable kind of death that there is. Almost anything that you do, any positive action, any offer of hope is something that can save a life. Those who talk about suicide don't do it. Well, the fact is that people who talk about suicide are the very ones who may try or even complete an act of suicide. And this goes along with this next myth, is that suicidal people keep their plans to themselves. The fact is that the person who is thinking about suicide often communicates their intent sometime during the week preceding their suicide attempt. There are a few things I want to make sure you walk out of here with today, and this is one of them. And that is, I don't believe anyone really wants to die. I don't believe anyone wants to die. And the fact that someone thinking about suicide tries to let other people know tells about their ambivalence. They're looking for some other option. I'll give you an example. 
um, the Golden Gate Bridge in California um, is a bridge that, uh, when they constructed it, it had a design flaw, and it had a very low outer railing. And over the years, many people have gone there, and they have jumped from this bridge to commit suicide. There have been a number of people who have jumped, and they've lived. And they've pulled those people together, and they asked them a question. They said, did a research study, and they said, what was the first thing that went through your mind when you jumped from the bridge? And what do you think they all said? I mean, every single person said, I don't want to die. This is a mistake. I want to live. Every single person. And I think that speaks to me ambivalence. I think someone will take any other option besides commit suicide. And then the biggest myth is talking or asking about suicide is going to put the idea in their head. Again, this just doesn't happen. Talking about suicide lowers anxiety, opens up communication, and increases, uh, decreases the likelihood that they'll do something impulsive. So let's talk about some of the warning signs, if we can, for a minute. Uh, we're going to talk about verbal warning signs, uh, behavioral and situational warning signs. And so these are some of the warning signs you might see. And I think there's uh, direct statements and indirect statements. And I think the direct statements are pretty obvious. You know, I, I, I decided to kill myself, or I, I wish I were dead. You know, if X doesn't happen, well, what's X for a college student? It's if I don't get make an A, if I don't get into graduate school, if, you know, if I lose my scholarship, something like that. But a lot of times, students will say things indirectly. And sometimes you have to ask a few more questions. They might say, I'm tired of life. I can't go on. Uh, my family would be better off without me. Um, I don't want to be here anymore. I had a student say that to me one time, and she said, she said, I don't want to be here anymore. And I thought to myself, well, I've had students say, you know, I don't want to be at Baylor anymore. I've heard that. Um, I've had students say, I don't, want to be at Waco. I don't want to be in Waco anymore. I've heard that before. And I said to her, I said, what do you mean by, by here? What do you mean by that? And she said, I don't want to exist. I don't want to live anymore. And she was really talking about suicide. And so I had to ask a few more questions. Some other warning signs include uh, behavioral warning signs, uh, previous suicide attempt, giving away prized possessions, putting affairs in order, um, hopelessness. In fact, hopelessness is the, uh, probably one thing I worry about the most on this list. Hopelessness is the most common psychological state of someone who attempts suicide. And that's why offering hope is the antidote uh, to suicide. Some of the situational factors loss of a major relationship, failing a class, being suspended from the university, or the death of someone close to them, especially if it's by suicide. Let's talk a little bit about depression. Up to 25% of all Americans experience an episode of depression during their lifetime. And untreated depression is the number one cause of suicide. And about two-thirds of people who commit suicide are depressed at the time of their death. And I want you to hear me say is that depression is a very treatable uh, condition. We have very good medications. When you combine that with therapy, you know, our success rate is, you know, 60 to 80 percent effective. Now, the problem is, is that less than 25 percent of people who are depressed ever get adequate treatment. We also know that someone who is depressed is 20 times more likely to commit suicide than someone who is not depressed. So let's think about it for a minute. Just as you're sitting there, just think about what are the symptoms of depression? Just get a few in your mind. So here's a list, the common symptoms of depression. What do you think it's like to be a student and feel this way? 
Now, I realize in a room this size that there are probably some people here who may have been feeling this way. It's pretty difficult, isn't it? To feel this way, to go to class, to try to keep up with your reading. It's, pre it's a challenge. It's pretty difficult. What about here at Baylor University? <clears throat> We're a Christian university, right? Faith is important. But I'm wondering, does that present any difficulties, any challenges? What would it be like for someone to be depressed at Baylor University? I've had students say to me before that they're afraid to tell other people because they might be judged. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be joyful. I'm supposed to be happy all the time. I'm not supposed to be depressed. What am I doing wrong? And I just would say that I would hope that at Baylor University that, that we could really be the best at responding to our, our brothers and sisters who might be feeling this way. So let's say you have a friend um, and maybe someone in your a student organization, fraternity, sorority, whatever it might be, your church group, you've noticed some of these signs, they look like they might be depressed. You know, what do you do? And for the last few minutes that we have, I'm gonna give you three basic skills that you can use. It comes from a program called QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. Well, the first thing you wanna do is you wanna ask a question, very simply. And there's two, two ways to ask this question. There's a less direct, and then there's the direct. Now, I've got to tell you that I am not a fan of the less direct way. I think if someone's thinking about suicide and you say, hey, do you ever wish you could go to sleep and never wake up, and you left it at that, you're not going to know the answer, are you? That might be a good intro. It might be a, a good way to ask the question. But research has shown consistently that you need to use one of two phrases. Have you been thinking about killing yourself? Have you been thinking about committing suicide? So it might go something like this. You're there, and uh, it's a, uh, a friend from a student organization, and you might say something like in a conversation, hey, I, I, I realize that you've got a number of things going on, uh, that you didn't make the grades that you wanted to, you're worried about losing your scholarship. I've noticed these other signs. Uh, those are typically signs of depression. Sometimes when people feel that way, they think about committing suicide. Are you thinking about committing suicide? And just asking in that kind of face-saving, direct, but caring kind of way. Now, there are some ways not to ask the question. You know, and sometimes people might say something like, well, you aren't suicidal, are you? Uh, you're not going to do anything. You wouldn't do anything crazy, would you? You wouldn't do anything stupid, would you? And there's two problems with this. One is it's, you know, it comes across as judgmental. And the person who's thinking about suicide, they are looking for someone to talk to. They want to talk to someone. They're sensitive to how you might respond, and so they might feel judged by this and not say anything else. The other is, to someone who's thinking about suicide, this isn't a crazy idea. I mean, this is the solution to them. This is how I'm going to make all this pain and all these problems go away. All right, the second thing. You've asked the question. Let's say they have said, yes, I have had some thoughts of suicide. Step two is persuade to live. And remember this. This is one of those other things I want you to leave here with. And that is, suicide is not the problem. It is the only solution to a perceived unsolvable problem. Suicide is not the problem. It is the only solution to a perceived unsolvable problem. So you want to do this. You want to listen. Give your full attention. You want to, and then you want to offer hope in any form. Hey, I'm on your side. I'm going to help you get through this. Um, I'm worried about you. I want you to live. And then you want to ask a question. Will you go with me to get some help? Will you let me get you some help? And I want to tell you that this simple act of offering help 
is the very thing, it's that very positive action that could save a life. And the R, Q, P, and R, question, persuade, and refer, the refer is you want to get them to a professional. One of the things that we found from our research study is that when a student was thinking about suicide and they told a friend, I'm having these thoughts, only 50% of the time did that other student or other person refer them to a professional. We need that number to be 100%. So the best referral is to take that person directly to someone who can help. The second one is to get a commitment, commitment from them that they'll stay safe uh, and they'll accept help and then make arrangements for that help. So where do you go here on this campus? Well, you can come to the Baylor Counseling Center on the second floor of the Student Life Center, and there's our number. Uh, we even have an on-call. We're on, we, you can reach us after hours from 5 o'clock on. You could also go by the Office of Spiritual Life. But more importantly, tell someone, a professor, a community leader, a residence hall director, successor, let someone know so that they, they can get some help. If someone's in immediate danger, um, meaning they've injured themselves, they've taken an overdose, they have a weapon that they're threatening to use, maybe they're on top of a, uh, an, an open stairway or on top of a parking garage, you know, call 911 immediately because um, every second counts in those situations. And the last thing I want to say <clears throat> is that since almost all efforts to persuade someone to live instead of attempt suicide are met with agreement and relief, do not hesitate to get involved and to take the lead. One of the things I want you to know is that someone who is depressed and thinking about suicide, they don't think that anything is going to make a difference. And so you may have to get a little more involved. Thank you for your time this morning. If you'd stand with me, I'll pray um, for you, pray over you. So Father, I do thank you um, for everyone here today. Um, I pray, Lord, that for each one of us that you would give us um, a boldness. Uh, and give us a care and a concern uh, for our fellow student that if we need to ask some of these questions that we would. Um, and Lord, I do pray, I ask that you just release hope, and re release life over every student here and every student on this campus, that they would know that there are better options, that there is hope for them. In the name of Jesus, amen.